You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to begin there, but we're not going to stay there. Perhaps more than any other book in the Bible, the book of Revelation gives us glimpses into our home, our real home. See, Billy Graham said, my home is in heaven. I'm just passing through this world. My home's in heaven. I'm just passing through this world. Heaven is our home. If you know Jesus, if you've been saved by his blood, heaven is your final destination. And the Bible describes our our earthly life as a temporary and momentary affliction. And it's not worth being compared to the glory of heaven. And I want to ask the question today, what will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? And oh, I can't do it justice. I'm not going to be able even to scratch the surface. But I want to show you today from God's Word, perhaps some answers to some questions that you may have about heaven, or to give you a a desire for heaven, and at least get you to think about heaven. Colossians 3 verse 2 says this, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I want you to read that with me, if you would, please. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. We're supposed to fix our attention and our focus on heaven. And in that light, our perspective changes and and we live differently in the here and now. C.S. Lewis said, If I find in myself desires that the world cannot satisfy, it must mean that I was made for another world. If I find in myself desires that this world can't satisfy, it must mean I was made for another world. You can search the world, as we just have sung, for fulfillment and try to find satisfaction, and you'll get no satisfaction. But if you fix your eyes on eternity, your true home, you'll have the satisfaction and fulfillment you need through the trials and afflictions of this life. 2 Thessalonians verse 4, in chapter 4, verse 18, tells us to encourage one another about heaven. And I hope that's what this message does this morning. There was a, a, a pastor and a politician, and they both passed away at the same time. And they arrived at the pearly gates together. St. Peter, after he welcomed them there at the pearly gates of heaven, took them hand in hand, both of them, to show them where they would be spending eternity in their home, their quarters, where they would stay and sleep. And and he took them to a small room, and in that little small room was just a little bed, a little twin bed, and a chair, and a little blanket, and that was just about it. And he said, this is for the pastor. Well, they took both men, and and he led them, St. Peter did, to a beautiful mansion. It was huge. There were swimming pools, movie stars, all these things in this mansion 
everybody over 50 just laughed. You might want to watch the Beverly Hillbillies. It, it was like that mansion. They had a, a concrete pond, uh, a swimming pool. It had uh, kitchens and, and wide open living rooms and all of these things. And he said, this and all the beautiful grounds and yard, this is for the politician. And, 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 and the politician couldn't understand why the pastor got this little room and the politician got this big old mansion. And he said, there's something wrong. How do I get this mansion when that good and humble man just gets a little room? St. Peter turned to him and said, Mister, you must understand how things work up here. We have thousands and thousands of pastors. But you're the only politician that's ever made it. <laughs> what will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? Well, the first question is, where is heaven? Where is heaven? There are three types of heavens mentioned in the Bible. There's three ways that heaven is referred to. And you need to know these if you're reading the Bible to understand what it's talking about. This alliteration comes from my friend, Dr. Benny Tate, over in Georgia. The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven. The atmospheric heaven. This is the one that we can see by sight. The one we can see by sight. Psalm 104, verse 12 says, The birds of the heaven dwell, and they sing among the branches. When we go out and look at the sky, and we see the clouds and the birds of the air, that's what the Bible's talking about, the atmospheric heaven, the one that you and I can see with the naked eye, the atmosphere. The second heaven is the astronomic heaven, the astronomic heaven. This is the one that we can see at night, at night. Isaiah 13 verse 10 talks about the stars of the heaven and the constellations. All the beautiful stars that you can see in the sky at night. This is the, the astronomic heaven. But there's not just an atmospheric heaven that we see by sight or the astronomic heaven we see at night. There's the angelic heaven you and I will see by flight. The angelic heaven that you and I will see by flight. You see, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 talks about himself, but he refers to himself in the third person because he was so humble. And this is what he said. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he said, the things that I saw there and, and the things that I heard cannot be told, which man may not even utter. See, Paul was caught up to the angelic heaven where God dwells. And that's the heaven we're going to talk about today. Heaven is in the spiritual realm. This angelic heaven, it's in the spiritual realm. John had a vision. And we just finished the seven churches. And now, as we saw in Revelation 1, there's a three-part division to Revelation. Jesus said, write the things that you have, have seen and the things that were and which are and that will be. And in Revelation 4, it switches to the will be, to the future. And John is in the Spirit as he wrote on Patmos on the Lord's Day. And he's in the Spirit and he's caught up to the Spirit. Remember, he was canceled on Patmos, but God revealed to him this vision. And you can't silence God's message. And this is what John saw in Revelation 4, in his vision. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. 
So, so John was caught up in the Spirit, and he looked, after he wrote the messages we just finished to the churches, he saw a door opening in heaven. And he was standing there, and he heard a voice like a trumpet and said, Come up here. Well, how did he get up there? Verse 2, At once I was in the Spirit. Heaven is in the spiritual realm. The things that, that you and I see in the atmosphere and the astronomy at night are physical. The third heaven is a spiritual realm. And he was in the Spirit. And the Bible says, Behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Heaven is in the spiritual realm. Well, who will be in heaven? That gives us a clue there in verse 2. A throne in heaven, one seated on the throne. Heaven is the place where the eternal almighty God dwells. The ancient of days, the one who was and who is and is to come, was before time began. The eternal God, no beginning, no end. And that is where the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, one God, three persons, the triune God, dwells in heaven. Heaven is where the holy God is, first and foremost. Psalm 11 verse 4 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. God isn't just distant in heaven, like an absent watchmaker who's created earth and left us to do our own thing. He's in heaven and he sees everything from heaven that happens on earth. And Jesus knew that his father was, was in heaven because he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. In John 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house, heaven, are many mansions. So heaven is where God Almighty reigns over the universe. The Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And his throne is forever and ever. But not only is a holy God there, there are Old Testament saints there. Old Testament saints. The people that we read about in the Old Testament, the ones that we had the little flannel graphs and we learned about in Sunday school, Daniel and David and Noah. How do you, how do you know this, you say? Well, Matthew 8, verse 11 says this, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, in God's kingdom, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. See, in heaven, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will all be there. We'll get to ask Noah what it was like to live with all those animals on the ark. We'll get to ask him why he kept the mosquito. We'll get to ask David what it was like to pick up the stones from that little stream and knock down a giant. We'll get to ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego what it was like to walk through a fire and walk out not even smelling like smoke. As someone else said, not me, you can't even go into the Waffle House without smelling like smoke. So there's Old Testament saints. We'll get to ask them. We'll get to sit down. And, and, and what was it like to walk with God? Well, how are they there? They put their faith in, in, in the cross as much as they knew how. Uh, everybody that's in heaven is there by the blood of Jesus. And they put a faith in something that they couldn't see. Read Hebrews 11. How they got there is they put their faith in God. There are also church and tribulation saints. Church and tribulation saints. Everyone who's trusted in Christ will be in heaven. If you have turned from your sin and put your faith in him, heaven is your home. The Bible says there's a judgment coming called the tribulation. 
The Bible says that this tribulation will last for 70 years. And the last half of it, the final three and a half years, will be the great tribulation. I believe, but many may disagree, but I believe, I believe it's in the Bible that the rapture, the church will be raptured up before the tribulation. But even in the tribulation, because God will have his witnesses, there will be two witnesses and there will be the Bible and there will be a testimony, there will be people get saved in the tribulation. And even in all these earthquakes and famine and war and violence of the tribulation where God pours out his wrath on the earth, and this time will make Hamas invading Israel and COVID-19 and Russia, Ukraine look like a little pillow fight. And even in the middle of that terrible time, there will be people come to know Jesus. People come to know Christ. How do I know that? Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. You can turn there if you want or it'll be on your screen. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Verse 13, then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who are coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. If you've been washed in the blood, you will be in heaven. There will be people from every nation, tribe, people, and language, red, yellow, black, and white. They will be precious in his sight. There's no racism in heaven. We are all members of the human race. We all have one problem, sin. And we all have one Savior, the only way to God, Jesus Christ. And there will be people from all nations there giving worship to God. We'll have diversity. We'll have our, our, our differences in our culture. But we will all worship the same one who saved us, Jesus Christ. Amen? Church and tribulation saints. There will also be angels in heaven. Sometimes we think of heaven as a little precious moments angel sitting on a cloud with a harp and Hobby Lobby music playing softly in the background. But that's not what a, an angel looks like. In fact, if, if you and I had accurate little figurines of angels, it would terrify us. Uh, Revelation 5 verse 11, And I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. These angels, the Bible said, number myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. If you total that together, that is over 100 million angels. 100 million Angels are created by God, a spiritual being, to serve him. There's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament where one angel in one night slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Just one angel. Think about 100 million angels. And Jesus could have called down thousands upon thousands. Luke 15.10 tells us about angels. It says the angels rejoice in heaven when just one lost soul gets saved. Think about the celebration in heaven, the worth that is being ascribed to God when one person gets saved. 
And imagine when we all join around the throne and, and join the song they're already singing, saying, to God alone is worth, to God alone is power and wealth and wisdom and might. Well, there's also going to be animals in heaven. I think there'll be some razorbacks in heaven. Maybe not some tigers. Revelation 5, verse 13 says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, listen to this, and in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. You notice the theme there? There's going to be people praising God. There's going to be angels praising God. But there's also going to be animals praising God. Every creature. Think about before the fall, before man sinned, God created animals. And he gave them the breath of life. But he gave man something that animals don't have. The soul. Animals don't have souls. But it, it seems to be from Scripture that if God created animals before the fall and before the curse, when he reverses the curse, there's going to be animals in the new heaven and the new earth. Psalm 36.6 says, Thou preservest man and beast. Proverbs 12.10 says that a righteous person takes care of his animals. Jesus said in Luke 12 that not even a sparrow falls without the Father caring and knowing about it. So will there be pets in heaven? I don't know if your dog Fido is going to be there. But I do know there's going to be animals in heaven. And we'll have dominion just like Adam did before the fall. There's going to be animals in heaven. I'll tell you one other thing. There's going to be babies in heaven. There's going to be babies in heaven. I've got a, a one in heaven I'm waiting on. And I can't wait to hear his voice for the first time. You say, how do you know that? How do you know that? We could spend a whole sermon on this. But I'm just going to give you a few reasons. The Bible doesn't explicitly say, but if you put it all together and you look at the character of God and what the Bible says, you can take it to the bank. There's going to be babies in heaven. 2 Samuel 12. It'll be on your screen. This is talking about David. And his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died... You arose and ate food. You see, David's little baby was sick, and he passed away. And this is what David said in verse 22. While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. I shall go to him he will not return to me. That little baby was in heaven. And David looked forward to going to heaven where the baby was. But he could not go back to earth. Well, how do you know this? How do you know this? Jesus blessed the little children. Someone said this, a lot smarter than me, the only time in the Bible that God blessed someone that was not yet a follower of Jesus. When Jesus gathered the little children and said, Blessed are the little children, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. He loved the children. Jesus said, Unless you become like a child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. He blessed the little children. And I believe the mentally handicapped, the miscarried babies, the little children that die, the ones maybe in your own family, in your own story, that heaven receives those who cannot believe. Heaven receives those who cannot believe. 
The Bible describes little children as innocent. Now, hold on a second. I'm not saying they weren't born in sin, because I'm realizing my precious little girl is born in sin. Uh, they, they are born in sin. We inherit a, a sin nature. We're born separated from God. But a little child doesn't have the capacity to believe. The capacity to believe. And they're not yet held responsible for their sins because they can't understand the gospel. Heaven receives the little babies that cannot believe. We said, well, how am I going to know if I have a little miscarried baby what they look like? The Bible says we will know just as we're fully known. And at the moment of conception, did you know this? At the moment of conception, that there is a unique DNA that is unlike any other. It is so unique and complex. And that little baby that was miscarried, God knows all the genetics of it. He created it. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he knit us together in our mother's womb. When the mother didn't even know she was pregnant, God knew and he formed us there. And the Bible says that when Jesus in Mary's womb visited Elizabeth with John in her womb, remember the baby leapt. The child before birth is just as alive as the child after birth. And he knit us together and he knows all of our features. And all of those were, were laid out in the womb. And the Bible says all of our days were laid out before we even were born. So God knows. We can trust him. Well, what will we do in heaven? What will we do in heaven? The first thing and the major thing we will do is worship. We'll worship in heaven. Now, this isn't going to be a, a church service that lasts too long and you're hungry for lunch. Your stomach's grumbling. And like as a kid, we all were just ready to go home, but mama was still talking to her friends. It's not going to be like that. Revelation 19 gives us another glimpse into heaven. And the Bible says in verse 1, After this I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immortality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Worship in heaven will be anything but boring. We will bring glory to God in a song of endless praise. Worship is ascribing worth to God. We honor people, but we only worship God. We only worship God. It will be the most moving, powerful, spirit-filled worship when we are all seeing God face to face around the throne. That's what we'll be doing for eternity. It will be exciting worship. We'll sing to him a new song. We'll sing to him some old songs. We'll have worship. We'll also have some fellowship. We'll also have some fellowship. And all the Baptists said amen. There was show and tell at school one day. And uh, there was a, a Jewish little boy that came up and said, I'm Jewish and, and my name's Abraham and, and I brought a yarmulke for show and tell. There was a Catholic little boy that, that, that came up and he said, My name's Billy, I'm a Catholic, and here is a rosary. Well, the third little boy came up and said, My name is Johnny, I'm a Baptist, and here is a casserole dish. <laughs> Baptists love to fellowship. We love to eat. More than any other, there's going to be fellowship in heaven. The Bible talks about, in Revelation 19 that there is a marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, when we take the Lord's Supper, we look back on the Last Supper and the Passover and what Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. 
But oftentimes we forget there's coming a, a, a final culmination, a fulfillment of the Passover, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible describes the church, those that know Jesus, as the bride of Christ. And he's our bridegroom. And in heaven, we are going to have a big feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible says that, that we are looking forward to that great feast, that great celebration. Uh, we, we recognize big moments in life with meals, do we not? Uh, I had a, had a good day yesterday. It was a beautiful day, but it was also a hard day. And uh, we had a funeral here. Pray for the Yarborough family. We missed Danny even this morning. We love each one of that family. And uh, we had, had a, a service here, and so many of y'all helped with the meal and behind the scenes. And it was just a blessed service because he lived a blessed life. And uh, before we went to the graveside at Arlington, I, I usually drive. And I, I must confess, I didn't do near enough funerals before I got here than when I got here. And, and, and I usually drive myself to the graveside. But yesterday, Jack Godwin said, Preacher, you want to ride with me out to the graveside? I thought, sure, I've got to come back anyways. I would enjoy the fellowship. Well, Jack, being the smart aleck that he is, went and told somebody, I've got to drive my preacher to the graveside. He's not old enough to have a driver's license. <laughs> so we, we drove around town, and we had good fellowship on the way to, to honor Brother Danny and his family. And, and I learned some stories about El Dorado. I hope they're true. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that, that right now we see things in uh, like puzzling reflections, like dim in a mirror. But then we'll see things face to face. We'll have time for fellowship. We'll have time to know each other and to get to know each other. And the Bible says, then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. We'll, we'll have fulfilling relationships and fellowship. Uh, the Bible says in, in heaven they'll neither be married or be given in marriage. But we can trust that God will, will, will enable us to know each other in a way that is way more fulfilling than any earthly relationship we have. We'll have friendship. We'll have fellowship. We'll, we'll know. We'll know who other people are. In Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration, they took him up there and the disciples figured out who was up there with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Both of them had been dead and gone for over a thousand years. And the disciples knew them. We'll know each other in heaven. We'll also work in heaven. You say, you could have gone all day and not said that. We'll work in heaven. Revelation 22 verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. Or your translation may say, we'll serve Him. You say, well, what's the difference? Our work is worship. Just as much as we sing and honor God here in this room, when we go out into our community and work, and we do it unto the Lord as not unto men, we worship with the way that we work. The Bible says that our work is cursed because of sin. We uh, toil, we sweat, there's frustration in work. That's not going to be like the work in heaven. We're going to have fulfilling work. Uh, like on a summer's day when you mow the lawn and, and the lines are just right. You dads know what I'm talking about. And you go home and you go inside and drink a cool glass of lemonade. And you're just happy because the work is done. It's going to be a fulfilling work. We're going to have dominion over the animals. 1 Corinthians 6 says that the saints will judge the world. And that do you not know that we are to judge angels? You and I will have a work to do, reigning with Christ. 
will be his servants serving and working and worshiping him. We'll also rest in heaven. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He is our true rest. He is the rest that lasts, uh, the deep soul rest that our hearts long for. All the burdens that weigh down our spirit, our mental difficulties, mental illnesses, dysfunctional families, our sicknesses, the burdens and depression, anxiety, and the fear that we struggle with in life, all those things, we will be unburdened. We will have true rest in the presence of God. Amen? Well, there'll be rest in heaven. The last question I want to ask, how can I get to heaven? It's one thing for me to tell you about it, but how can you go there? How can you go there? Well, you can only go to heaven through the gift of God. You can only go to heaven through the gift of God. A gift is something that you cannot earn and you can't deserve. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The things that you and I earn, our wages, is death. Because you and I have sinned and done wrong against God, we deserve eternal separation from God. We don't deserve heaven, we deserve hell. We deserve to be separated from him for eternity. But praise God, he's given us a free gift. A gift that we could never earn in a thousand lifetimes of trying to be good enough. It is the free gift of God, eternal life. John Dyer was a Welsh pastor who lived in the 1700s. This is what he wrote. A man may go to heaven without health, without riches, without honors, without learning, and without friends. But he can never go there without Christ. You can't go to heaven without Jesus. You can have all the things of this world, but if you don't have Jesus, you won't go to heaven. It is a gift that you must receive. You can't deserve it. It's God's grace. Well, how does this gift get to you? Through the gift of God by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. If we walk in the light, it cleanses us from all sin. Every bit of it. All the things and the things we've done wrong against God, past, present, and future, are covered by the blood of Jesus. That's not a free, free license to sin. No, may it never be so. But it is a covering by the blood of Jesus. The high price that he already paid. Colossians 1.20 says that Jesus made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. How did God make peace with us? Through Christ's blood. How did we make war against God? Through our sin. It sounds like a pretty good deal to me. He gives us grace and the gift by the blood of Jesus. Revelation 19.3 describes a robe being dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. You see, anybody that's in heaven has been covered by the blood. You've been bought with a precious price. The Bible says not with silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ. There was an 80-year-old Indian widow... In 2008, Reuters reported that she spent thousands of dollars, in fact, $37,500, on a feast as she was about to pass away. So why did she throw this feast? This feast fed 100,000 people, and here's why that she threw it. She threw it in hope 
that she would please the God, the gods, and they would open a door to heaven for her. She thought if I could feed all these people, and I don't, she didn't have any family relatives, she thought if I could just throw this big party and do this good act, that when I pass here in a little bit, I'll be able to go into heaven. There was a local lawmaker who attended the feast. He said she told us she could now begin her final journey and her soul could rest in peace in heaven. Friend, you will have no eternal peace or rest if you aren't covered by the blood of Jesus. If you haven't been bought by him, there's no way you can earn it. There's no way you can be good enough. Well, by the blood of Jesus, but don't make any mistake about it, it's with a personal testimony. It's one thing to know everything in the message that we said today, everything in the Bible. But if you don't know Jesus personally, with a personal testimony of being washed in his blood, you will not get to heaven. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him, talking about the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. The time in life that they had turned to Jesus. When they turned away from their sin and said, I'm not going to do it on my own anymore. I'm giving my life to him. I'm calling on him to save me. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm putting my faith in him. And I'm asking him to make me brand new. I'm not trying hard anymore. I believe he already paid the price for me. I could tell you all about heaven this morning. But you have to experience heaven for yourself. You have to experience Jesus for yourself. Talked to a man yesterday, asked him, do you know Jesus? He said, yes, I do. I said, do you know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? He said, I know about him. Do you know Jesus? Do you have the Spirit of God inside of you today? Has there been a time in your life where you have accepted the free gift of God? Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.